Levy, if I didn't have to put a, a, a suit on Sundays, I wouldn't do it then. But we got to come down, you know, and look, look nice once in a while. But we just thank the Lord we're here with you tonight. I'm going to read a scripture found in Colossians 1 6. Colossians 1 6. Amen. And it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Then it says, All things were created by him and for him. You were created for him. We were created for the Lord. Hey, say amen. Don't be so quiet on me tonight. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. We're asking you right now, Father, in the glorious name of Jesus, that you would anoint my heart, my mind, and my soul, and the hearts of each and every one that has come through the doors of this church tonight. Bless us in a special way. Speak to us through your word, and we'll give you the glory and the praise and the honor in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Worship is a very, very, very important part of our service. A, a, a church that doesn't know, how, doesn't know how to praise and worship the Lord will never grow. They will not grow in the truth, that is. But a church that does not know how to glorify the name of the Lord is a church that will not become productive. Sometimes all you need to do is, is worship the Lord. And God will do things for the church. We are living tonight in a generation of false worshipers. A generation that does not really know how to worship God. They worship everything else. They worship songs, they worship singers, they worship dancers, they worship a lot of things. They worship animals, a lot of things that they worship, but they fail to worship the true God that we worship tonight. And according to God's word, we were created for him. You were created to worship him, not to worship one another. Not to worship false gods, but you and I were created to worship the Lord. If you believe that, say amen. You know, people are so involved in uh, false worship that they become ridiculous in some of the things that they worship. I remember, uh, I've probably told you this before, but on one occasion, there was a cross, an image of a cross on a house. And, uh, of course, they were Mexicans. We are the worst for false worship. And uh, when they, people of the city, of the area there, uh, found out that there was this cross, a sign of the cross on the house, they all wanted to go. They wanted to go. They wanted to touch it. They wanted to be close to it because they felt this is a sign from God. 
And they were, they, they got so bad, they were blocking the streets. Uh, and nobody could get through. The police came and, and, and blocked the area off. Uh, they made the individuals of the house close down the house because people were coming by doing the sign of the cross. We were fighting to get close to that garage door where the cross was at. The image of the cross were driving people crazy. Amen. So at the end, it came out, I remember it came out on the news. It was on the news. What was this? Was this a sign from God or what was this? The sign of the cross. And then a couple of days later, it came out again that they found what it was is that at a certain time of the day, a shadow would hit a for sale sign that was in front of the house. And of course, you know, the for sale sign has somewhat like a cross. And it would reflect on that door, or the garage door, and it would make like the sign of the cross. People will worship anything but the true God. The garage door incident is just one. There has been so many. I remember a couple of years ago, this was really a, uh, this lady, you heard about that. She was cooking dinner and she was making tortillas for the family. And she was just about finished and she left one tortilla on top of the comal. And uh, when she went to get it, it was burned. And in that burning, it burned a little like a sign of the virgin on the tortilla. Everybody was going to see the tortilla. <laughs> That's how bad people are in worshiping. They will worship anything. They don't care what it is. They were going over to that lady's house and begging to see the tortilla. They wanted to see the sign of the cross. They wanted to see the virgin that was engraved in, in, that, in that tortilla. And actually all that it was was that uh, she burned it. You ladies that have made tortillas or anything, you know sometimes it'll burn and it different designs but to go as far to say the virgin the sign of the cross people will do that nowadays they're always looking for something to worship something to praise people were kneeling and praying to the image of the cross and they were kneeling and doing the sign of the cross on behalf of that tortilla False worship. We are living in a time of false worship. So you can imagine how God feels when his people come together and give him true worship. When you can come together in the house of the Lord and, and no matter how you feel, no matter how the day has been, but that you can come to the house of the Lord and lift up your hands and praise and glorify the true God. The Samaritans had a similar problem. They were basically doing the same thing as these ladies were with the tortilla and the garage door. 
The Lord told them, you worship not what you know. He says, we know what we worship. Jesus was telling the Samaritan woman that. You're coming here to this mountain and you're crying and you're making all kinds of noise and, and you're dancing and doing all kinds of, uh, of things and making all kinds of racket and you really don't even know what you are worshiping. The Samaritans had a, a half a truth. They didn't really believe in, in Jesus and they believed in, in the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, but they didn't believe in all of the Bible. So they didn't know what they believed in. And the Lord told them, you don't know what you are worshiping. You just come here and make a lot of noise. And I can imagine her telling the Lord, but, but we come here and we dance for you, for, for God and we, we worship God because they thought that they worshiped God the way God was supposed to be worshiped, but they were not. The Lord says, you don't know what you worship for salvation is of the Jews. He says, but the hour cometh, there's coming a time. And then he said, and now is, not tomorrow, not three days from now. The moment you get up in the morning, now is the time to worship God. You worship God when you wake up in the morning because you're thankful to the Lord. You're not worshiping an image. You don't get up and light a candle and do the sign of the cross. You wake up, and I hope the first thing you say is, thank the Lord for another day. We go to church and we pray, we worship and we praise the name of the Lord. God is pleased that we worship him in spirit and in truth. He says, woman, the hour is coming, and it is now here when the true worshipers shall worship the, Lord, the Father in spirit and in truth. And if you notice in the Bible, spirit is with a small s, which means not talking about the spirit of God, but talking about the spirit of the individual. What he was telling her is it's going to come a time when you're going to worship God with a lot of enthusiasm but with truth. You're going to get excited about the, the, the true God that you, that you will serve. It's not going to be like the Samaritans. Sure, they worship their God with a small s. They worship their God with a lot of enthusiasm. But he says, but you don't even know who you worship. Thank God we know who we worship tonight. <clears throat> and what a blessing it is. Amen. To get excited about the God that we worship. Can you say praise the Lord? You see, the Bible says that the Father is seeking. The Lord is looking for they that would worship Him, that would worship Him in spirit and truth. That's why I say a church that doesn't worship is a dead church. <clears throat> I've had the experience throughout the years that when the church is on fire for God and everybody is worshiping, a visitor will come to church. And they can't help it, but begin to worship with us. So many people have received the Holy Ghost under the anointing of worship. Because it is not false worship, it is true worship. 
And they too begin to shake under the power of God. They too begin to worship the name of the Lord, the true God that we serve today. For he said to that woman, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God tonight, church, is looking for true worshipers. And I know that you worship in this church. I know your pastor. I know how he preaches and I know how excited he gets and how he can lead you into a spirit of worship. Don't ever lose that. Don't ever lose the spirit of worship that you have. No matter how you feel, you might come to church all sad and bogged down because the day wasn't good to you. The clouds were hovering over your life today, but you come to the house of God and you begin to worship the name of the Lord and you begin to glorify the wonderful name of Jesus. And, and you see, because God is looking for that kind of people today that would worship him under all circumstances, no matter what your life might be and how you might be feeling. The Lord is looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Can you say praise the Lord? You see, all things were created by him and for him. All things that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, everything, no matter what it is. If it's an angel, if it's a man, if it's a woman, if it's a child, an animal, the heavens, everything was created by God for himself. So that what he created can turn around and worship and praise and glorify his name. Acknowledging him as the one true God that he is. The heavens, the Bible says, worship God. The Bible tells us that, that the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens are worshiping God. The moon worships God just by staying in its place. The sun worships God by being obedient and not getting too close to earth where it would burn us or too far from earth we would freeze to death. They are worshiping God. They're being obedient to the Lord. The firmament, the beauty of the stars and the, and the skies and everything. When you go out there at night and you look up, you have to stand in awe when you really think about the creation of God. It is worshiping and praising the glorious and wonderful name of Jesus. Can you say praise the Lord? That's why he says whether there be thrones or dominions. No matter how powerful a throne or a dominion is. It has to submit to worshiping God. No matter who you think you are or where you come from. How bad you think you are. We submit to worshiping God. When you worship God, you're telling the Lord, I'm submitting to you, Lord. I'm giving myself to you completely, God. I am protected by your, by your presence and by your glory every time that I open up my mouth to glorify and to magnify your wonderful name. Say praise the Lord. All things were created by him and for him. How wonderful that is. To know that everything was created by God for himself. Not for anybody else. Can you imagine how it grieves God 
to see all the corruption and things that are going on in the world today. Could you imagine the heart of God looking down and seeing how people are worshiping false gods when they should be worshiping him? It's like he would look down and say, hey, I didn't create you for that. I created you for myself. You're supposed to sing to me, not to sing to the world. When he sees all that rap music and the hard rock and all that crazy stuff that's going on. And all the words that are coming out of the mouth of those individuals. You don't think it grieves his heart? Yes, it does. But then he looks around looking for those that true worshipers that worship him and spirit and truth. And he finds a church, amen, full of the Holy Ghost. That no matter the condition, no matter what's going on, we are praising and glorifying and magnifying the glorious name of Jesus. And he wraps his arms around that church because he knows, amen, that that church is worshiping and praising his wonderful and his precious name. There's a lot more to worship than what we know. Solomon was asked of God, Hey, Solomon, what would you like me to do for you? And you would think he'd say, Oh, God, I want a brand new car. I'm hurting for a new house. I want this and I want that. I want to make it better for my family. He would be justified in saying that, but he didn't. He said, Lord, all I want from you is to give me knowledge and understanding to be able to judge your people, to be a good, a good pastor, a good uh, uh, sheep herder, to be a man after your heart. That's what I want. The Lord was so pleased with what Solomon asked him. That he told Solomon, Solomon, because you have not asked me for riches, because you have not asked me for wealth, you have not asked me for material things. He said, I'm going to bless you with riches, with material things and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. So because you can use it to lead my people. God was pleased. So God blessed Solomon with a lot of wisdom. And you know, he, he was known as the wisest man in the Bible in those days. He wasn't only the wisest man, but he was the richest man on the face of this earth in those days. It all came because he made a decision. He wanted wisdom and knowledge and understanding to lead God's people. Solomon took those that gold that flowed like water in his kingdom. I want you to understand that that gold was given to him by God as a sign of God's favor upon Solomon and upon his kingdom. Remember that. It wasn't so he could go out and spend it and have a good time. It was a sign of his approval of Solomon. It was a sign that God was with him no matter what. So Solomon took those that gold and he made shields out of those gold out of that gold. He used those shields when he would go out. 
His servants would take the shields and if he was in a place like this, they would surround that place that he was at with the shields of gold. There was a purpose and a reason for that. The enemies of Israel would come. And as they drew closer to where Solomon was at, they would stop. Because they would see the gold shields. And they knew that God's favor was upon the kingdom of this great man of God. And they would back up. They couldn't go any further because they knew that if they tried anything with Solomon, God was with them. And God would destroy them. So anywhere that Solomon would go, they would take these shields and put them around the area where he was at as a sign of God's favor upon that man. When you study a little bit about these shields and so on, you come to realize that you can use that as praise. Those shields were Solomon's worship and Solomon's praise unto God. As long as Solomon served God and he praised the Lord, the enemies could not touch him. The enemies could not get close to him because he was worshiping and he was praising God. Those shields went with him wherever he went. You don't stop, you don't only praise God when you are in the house of God. You praise God everywhere. You praise God in the morning at home. You praise him at school. You praise him at work. You praise and you worship God wherever you are at. No matter what you're doing, you always glorify and praise the name of the Lord. You never lose that. And that's what it was with Solomon. Amen. Solomon praised God with all his heart. And those shields of gold that surrounded Solomon kept the enemy away. It was a sign of thanksgiving to God. An offering of worship, an offering of praise to the Lord. You see, praise and worship is a reward that God receives in turn. Or as a result for deliverance and blessing the people of Israel. Taking them out of bondage. Taking them out of Egypt land. All they had to do was turn around and worship God. And praise God. Surround themselves with praise. And worship. And if they did that. God would continually be on their side. And he would protect them. And he would bless them. David says it in Psalm 106. Save us O Lord. Save us O Lord our God. And gather us from the nations. That we may give thanks to your holy name. God delivered us from the world. That we may give thanks to his holy name. I said God took us out of the world. That we might be able to praise and give glory unto his holy name. Amen. And glory and praise. Because you have delivered us from Egypt land. The psalmist again says in Psalmist, Psalm 30, You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth 
and clothe me with joy. That sounds like us, where we came from. Every one of us came from a different walk of life. Some of, some of us were cholos, some cholas, some chulas, some chulos. Some think you were chulos. We came from different ways of life and different styles. We were all bound by the enemy. We were in sackcloth. We were in sadness and misery. But now, David said, you removed my misery. You removed my sackcloth. You removed my depression. You removed my hang-ups. You removed me from being depressed and down and out all the time. Amen. And, and, and you clothed me with joy. We didn't have joy. We didn't know what joy was until we came to the Lord. We would laugh. And we thought that was joy. We'd get high just to laugh. And we thought, oh, we had a good time. We'd go out and party and have a good time in the flesh. And the following day, we're sick as a dog. Go out and party and have a good time and get stabbed and get shot and land up in jail, wake up in jail. You say, oh, that was a good time. The Lord said, you removed me from that. You gave me joy. And then why, Lord? Why did you do that? Why did God save you? So that you could come to church and be there as a sanctified donkey, not opening up your mouth, not glorifying God, not lifting up your hands, not saying nothing but God? Did he take you out of that misery so you could be quiet, not tell anybody about him? Or are you so full of joy that you want everybody to have what you have? Praise the name of the Lord. He said, you have clothed me with joy that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. I will not be quiet. You go to these traditional churches. I've seen it. You lift up your hand to make a little noise. You want to worship God and they'll send somebody over there and tell you. Psh, 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 psh. There was a brother in our church. He was a dancer. I don't know if you remember him. Julio, his name was. He was Indian. And you know, whether he was Indian or Mexican, he loved to dance. And he would dance in every service. You say, boo! And he'd run and dance. And he would dance. He loved to dance. He loved to glorify God. That was his way of praising God and telling God, I'm thankful that you saved my soul from hell. One day he went to an apostolic church at his, his home church. And the church started singing a, a little bit of a fast song. An old Julio. Try to make the best of it. Nobody was running, nobody was dancing, nobody was clapping. They were just singing their old traditional songs. And Julio got up and started running. He started dancing. And the people would look at him like, What's, this guy's crazy. And the pastor sent the assistant pastor. Oh, no, no, it wasn't the assistant. It was him, the pastor himself. He was behind the pulpit, and he got Julio's attention and told him, Hey, no, 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 no. Siéntese, siéntese. Sit down, sit down. 
<laughs> Julio didn't know what to do. He kept it up a little bit longer, but he felt, hey, I got to be obedient, so he sat down. How sad it is that people cannot worship God the way God wants you to worship him. You see, when we are saved and we know where we came from, there's a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory that flows from our heart and our mind and our soul. And we can't just keep quiet. We can't just sit down and, and, and not say anything. We've got to do something. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. In Egypt, we were slaves. We were in bondage. He set me free. And I can't be quiet about it. I've got to tell somebody. You know, the quickest way for a church to grow is for God's people to be excited. If you are excited about your salvation, you can't be quiet about it. You'll go and you'll tell somebody. And you'll bring somebody to the house of God. I want you to come with me to the house of the Lord. And you're not afraid when, when that certain brother or certain sister begins to lift up her hands and begins to worship the name of the Lord. You're not afraid that it's going to scare that visitor away. You begin to worship God too. Because there's joy unspeakable and full of glory in your heart for what God has done. Worship is so important. We can't live without it. It's part of our daily diet. Praise is part of our daily diet. It is our arsenal. It is our weapon against the enemy. A lot of people see you worship. They think it's just benefiting you. You're edifying yourself. No, no. There's more to it than that. It is a weapon that we use against the enemy. The enemy hates worship. You know why he hates it? Because that was his downfall. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be praised. He doesn't like it when you praise God. He feels that belongs to me. So, the enemy has become one who talks about us. One who would love to see you down and out. He's the accuser of the brethren. He came before the Lord one day and the Lord asked him, where you been? Oh, he says, I've been around the world checking out your people. <laughs> but there's a way to shut the devil's mouth. And that is through praise. Praise. In Psalm 8 and 2, as I come to a close tonight, it says, from the children and infants you have ordained praise. Don't you love to see little children praise God? The old traditional churches say, no, 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 he's too young. He's not supposed to get blessed like that because he's going to backslide. Don't baptize him at, at 16 and 17. They're, they're not going to make it. How sad. From the children, God fills them with the presence of the Holy Ghost. He has ordained praise. 
Because of our enemies. Because of our enemies, the Lord has ordained praise in the children. And in his people. And then he finishes the scripture by saying, why? To silence the devil or the foe and the avenger. That is what praise does. That's why people don't like praise. That's why they struggle with praise and with worship. Because the enemy hates it. Doesn't like it. Doesn't appreciate it. He accuses you and when you start praising the Lord, his mouth shuts. You muzzle him like a dog. And you tell him, get thee behind me, dog. I'm going to praise the name of the Lord. You keep on praising the Lord no matter how hot it gets in here. <laughs> you keep praising the Lord no matter what trials you go through. In the good times, you praise the Lord. Learn to praise God no matter what. Amen. No matter how you feel, you praise God. Give Him the glory. Give Him the praise. And once you learn to do that, it becomes a habit in your life. You're going to be a victorious Christian because you'll know how to praise and worship and glorify the wonderful name of Jesus. Give Him a good round of applause.